It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. Hey everybody, Jonathan Mayo here. Welcome into a very special edition of the MLB Pipeline Podcast. Rather than hear from myself, Jim Callis, and Jason Ratliff ad nauseum as you're used to, we wanted to give you a chance to hear from the players we cover, most notably the 2023 draft class. And we just re-ranked all of our lists. And one of the biggest challenges is trying to figure out where these new draft picks slot into all of our rankings. Not as much of a challenge as going out and beginning your pro career. So myself, Jim Callis, and Sam Dykstra, each picked a first-round selection from the most recently completed draft. All three are college hitters, and uh, we had a chance to sit down with them. We let Jim lead things off, and he had a chance to talk to one of the best college hitters in all of baseball, and that's Wyatt Lankford, formerly of the Florida Gators, and now with the Texas Rangers. This is Jim Callis with MLB Pipeline. I'm joined by Wyatt Langford of the Texas Rangers. Feels weird a little bit saying Texas Rangers instead of Florida Gators, but you're a Ranger now. Number four pick in the draft. Thanks for joining us today, Wyatt. I, I really appreciate it. Yeah, Jim, thanks for having me on. So, I mean, you're you're in the midst of your pro career. Like, you, you got a little time off after the College World Series, and I think you spent, what, three days in the Arizona League and then immediately up to high A. You've been there for almost two weeks what has your experience in pro ball been like so far? Have you, how long did it take you to feel like you were back in game shape after having a month or so off? Yeah, it's been great so far. I mean, getting to meet all these um, older guys and stuff that have been doing it for a while um, has been pretty good. And like just being able to learn from their experiences. And then uh, I didn't take too long, I would say. I mean, being out in Arizona, it was, it was really hot. So um, <laughs> got into pretty good shape pretty quick, pretty quick. And I was back to playing games before I knew it. What's been the the biggest adjustment to playing pro ball? I mean, I know you're just two weeks into your career, but like, well, what's what's been the biggest or biggest surprise or biggest adjustment you've had to make? Probably just being being away from home because being at Florida, I was really close to home, and I mean, I was able to see my family and stuff whenever I wanted to. So I haven't been able to do that ever since I started playing pro ball. So that's probably been the biggest thing is just getting adjusted to that and getting used to just being by myself, pretty much. Anything on the field been harder or easier than you thought it might be? I mean, again, I know you're just two weeks into your career, so you don't have it all figured out yet, but uh, what has the on-field experience been like for you? Um, it's been really good. I mean, I've just been playing baseball. Um, competition's been good, and I mean, I'm just trying to go out there and have fun with it. Who's impressed you? I mean, you probably, if you didn't know it beforehand, you probably know this now, but the Rangers have one of the deeper farm systems in baseball. There's a lot of talent in the system. Among your teammates, you know, I know you've been in, in Hickory, I think, for about 10, 12 days. Who, who stood out to you from a from a player standpoint? Yeah, I mean, here in Hickory, probably uh, Cameron Colley and um, Abby. <laughs> I can't, I'm not going to try and pronounce it. We just call Ortiz. We just call Ortiz. Abby Ortiz, yeah. No, those two guys can really hit. Yeah, and I was going to say, I mean, I, I would assume that, that you and Ortiz probably put on a pretty good show in batting practice. Like, Like, I've heard crazy power on him. Yeah, no, he's got a lot of power, so it's it's been fun to hit in front of him. Were you 
How heavily scouted and how heavily recruited were you coming out of high school? Not very, really. I mean, I think I only talked to, to one scout in high school, really. So I wouldn't say it never really crossed my mind at all to get drafted at high school. Were you were you heavily recruited by a lot of schools or did you always kind of know you want to go play for the Gators or how did the recruiting process work for you? Yeah, I mean, I grew up I grew up a Florida Gator fan, so um, I wanted to play at Florida my whole life ever since I started playing baseball. So that was always my goal and my dream. Um, but no, I mean, Florida was the only the only school I talked to. Um, I kind of I kind of shut it down. How, how early were you in your career when you committed to Florida? I was in my sophomore year of high school. Okay, so they identified you pretty early. So it's your dream to play for the Gators. How tough was it your first year? You, you I think coming out of high school, you were, what, a catcher third baseman? And you get to Florida, yep. and they have catcher, and they had a couple guys sharing the third base job. And I think you got four at-bats as a freshman. How tough was that? Yeah, I mean, everybody loves to play, to go there and basically not play for a full year. Yeah, it was tough. I mean, people go through it every year, obviously, but I mean, it was it was just hard on me because I'm coming from a small town and stuff, and being like the best player all the time, and always like in the starting position and all of that. So um, coming in and not not playing right away and having to watch a lot of games, it was it was difficult. How difficult is it to get better when you're not playing? I mean, I know there's practices, obviously, and inter squad stuff going on, but once the season starts, I mean, it's pretty much game focused. You know, the, the bulk of the action. How much better do you think you got during your freshman year? And I guess I would throw in you, – you got to play in summer ball. I think you went to the Valley League. Like how much better did you think you had gotten during that year, you know, through the summer? Yeah, I think I had gotten a lot better. I mean, because I wasn't playing, I was able to have a heavier workload like in practice and um, working out more and stuff because I know I wasn't going to play. So I was able to put in more work off the field. But I mean, yeah, it's you can't really replace those game reps. So I mean, having to miss those was it was difficult. But I was able to make them up in the summer leagues and everything. How much faster and stronger do you think you got over that year? I mean, did you notice there was a significant difference from high school? Yeah, and just um, just sticking to a, like a regular workout program, really, and like um, our strength, <clears throat> our strength. Um, coaches are really good at Florida, so they did a really good job of keeping us in shape and getting us into, getting us into better shape. So I feel like I, I kind of just became more mature, like my body became more mature through that freshman year, and I, um, I just got became a better overall athlete. So I, I want to say, looking back at your summer ball in the Valley League, I think you caught and played first base mostly, right? That, that summer? Yeah. When did you find out you were going to be an outfielder at Florida? And had you played much outfield before? No, I had never really played outfield before. And I found out about halfway through the fall of my sophomore year. How easy was that transition for you? Um, it wasn't that easy. Um, going from catcher to outfield is a pretty <laughs> big difference. So um, it took a little bit of time, but I eventually got used to it. And I've settled in pretty nicely now. So your, your your sophomore and junior years, I mean, I think you hit 47 homers. I mean, you pretty much raked the whole time you were in your lineup. How quickly, I don't know if players think like this, but how quickly when you started to play every day as a sophomore and you had a great year, did you realize I might be a pretty good pick in, in the 2023 draft? Or do, or do you even think about that? Or are you just focused on the season? No, I mean, it, it came to realization probably like halfway through the season, I would say, of my sophomore year when I kind of realized that I was doing my stats and everything were, were really good compared to a lot of people. 
know, and, and this year, I want to say, I think you tied the Florida home run record as a sophomore, which your teammate this year, Jack Caglione, broke. And then you had another big year this year, and you guys got to the College World Series, went all the way to the finals. What was the College World Series experience like for you? Obviously, I mean, I know you lost in the finals. You would have liked to win. But I, but I still – I've been to – I've lost track, like 30-something College World Series over the years. It's my I still think it's my favorite baseball event. What is it like to play in that event? I mean, just the electricity of playing in front of those crowds. Yeah, it was awesome. I mean, it was it was way better than I could have expected. Um, just all the fans and all the all the buzz going around. Just all the all the people there that love baseball and love to watch baseball and cheer on baseball. So, I mean, it was it's great to be in that environment and be able to play in front of all those people. And then you, I mean, I think you hit the two longest home runs in the history of the ballpark while you were there. I mean, you you had a great College World Series yourself. I want to ask you to put on your scouting hat for a second. I mentioned Jack. So if you, if you were a professional baseball team, Wyatt, and you were drafting Jack and he could only hit or only pitch, can't play both ways, which way do you think he's better? Do you take him as a hitter or do you take him as a pitcher? Oh, I'm glad I'm not a scout because I don't know. <laughs> but oh, I don't know. I mean, I think whenever he figures it out on the bound, he's going to be an extremely good pitcher. Have you faced him much in inner squads? Do you have you hit off him much, like in fall practice and, and those types of things? Yeah, I faced him in inner squad inner squads a couple of times. How'd that go? Who who got the better of that matchup? <laughs> I did pretty good off of him. Did you hit a home run off of him? You look like you're trying to be say, modest. But... You look like you're trying to be modest a little bit. <laughs> I hit well, I hit two home runs off him in one inner squad. Okay, nice, nice. So <laughs> and then I, I want to ask you about the two LSU guys, you know, who also went the top of the draft with you. What's it like hitting off of Paul Skeens? Yeah, I didn't, I didn't get to face him this year, but I faced him last summer. Okay, at, at, at the USA the Trials, and I mean, yeah, it's hard to remember that long ago, but I mean, obviously, he's an extremely good pitcher. Yeah, and then so you got to play with Dylan Cruz some too, and you obviously got to see Dylan Cruz, you know, in Omaha. What's your your evaluation of Dylan Cruz? I mean, one of the top hitters in the country, and you guys were kind of neck and neck for SEC player of the year honors and, and all those accolades this year. Yeah. I mean, both of those guys are super good dudes. I, I got to hang out with them, like I said, at USA. And I mean, it, just uh, being able to actually talk to them as people um, is good to meet them and good to be around those type of people that are at the top of their game and kind of have the same work ethic and stuff as me and like want to excel their game. But I mean, yeah, obviously he's an extremely good player and he, he got everything he deserved. Yeah. Well, you guys will probably run into you probably run into those guys. I would say, I would think a few more times during your uh, career in the, coming, in the coming years. Yeah. Um. You know, So the draft this year, obviously, a little bit different than it was three years earlier. How hard is it as a player? You know, when you're being talked about, hey, you could go top of the draft. You could go number one. He's going the top five somewhere. How hard is it? How much attention do you pay to that stuff when the season's going on, or is it easier to ignore? especially because you guys went all the way to the College World Series and you can just focus on that. But, I mean, how much of that did you hear, listen to during the spring? Yeah, um, I mean, you can try it. You can you can try and ignore it, but it's it's hard to ignore. Like, I, I mean, I tried my best to ignore it, but people are always talking about it. And, I mean, it's always being brought up. So you can ignore it the best you can, but at the end of the day, you just kind of have to embrace it and go out there and play, play and have fun and play to win games. When did you – I mean, I don't think anybody knew who was going number one until probably shortly before the Pirates made the pick. And, you know, obviously that had an effect on who was going at the top of the draft. When did you find out you were going to be a Texas Ranger? Did you know much in advance before they called your name? Or did you find out 
when they, you know, after, I guess, you know, Max Clark went three, maybe the Rangers called and said, hey, we're about to pick you. But when did you find out you were going to be a Texas Ranger? Yeah, I just knew a couple of minutes before the pick came in. How much had you talked to them? I know teams interview players. You obviously couldn't go to the combine because you were busy in Omaha, so you weren't there. But how much contact did you have with the Rangers? Because we'd heard like early on, I mean, it was kind of a no-brainer also, but like we heard early on, the Rangers love Wyatt Langford. If he's there at four, they're definitely taking him. There's no way he's getting to five. I mean, had you sensed any of that? Had you had a lot of contact with the Rangers? Did you get a chance to meet with them between the end of the College World Series and the beginning or, you know, in the draft? You know, there's like a few weeks in between. Yeah, I met with them on Zoom um, like two or three times. We had two or three different meetings, probably a, a week before the draft, I would say. And they went really good. I mean, um, they did a really good job of kind of explaining the organization and stuff. I let them know that uh, I really liked what they had to say and just that if I was there, obviously I want to be the Texas Ranger. Are there any Florida Gators in the organization? I guess Dane Dunning, you wouldn't have played with Dane because he's in the you know a few years apart, but I know Dane Dunning's in the big leagues. Are there any other Florida Gators in, in the Rangers system? No, not that I know of. Okay. I don't think so. Okay, yeah, Dane was the one who came to mind. And I know it's early in your career, so the answer is they probably haven't done much of anything. But, I mean, at this point, when you begin your career, is it more a matter of the Rangers say, just go out there and play? We're not trying to make any adjustments. We're not trying to focus on, hey, we want you to look for this or that. Is it just go out there and play, and then we'll you know, regroup in the offseason and see if there's anything we want to tinker with? Is that kind of what's going on right now? Yeah, they're just um... – they're just trying to get me at bats right now and get me get me acclimated to pro ball and just using a wood bat again. And then that I mean, we haven't talked much about changing anything. They kinda they kinda trust my ability to perform as a player. So we'll see how it goes from there. Yeah. Well, I mean, it makes sense. I mean, if you go number four in the draft, obviously you're doing a few things right. So it's not like they're gonna come in and remake your swing or things yeah. like that. How would you how would you analyze yourself as a player, Wyatt? Like if you were breaking down your five tools, how would you how would you describe yourself as a player? Um, I don't even know. I mean, I feel like I feel like I I'm a pretty good hitter. Um, that runs into power every now and then. Every <laughs> I don't now, think and I have it super <laughs> super. Cra- I don't think I have a crazy amount of power, but I don't know. I I just play okay, solid defense. I I don't try not to make mistakes. My arms just okay. I'll make accurate throws. Well, I'm going to and, disagree with you. I yeah. think you do have a crazy amount of power, Wyatt. So I'm going to I'm going to disagree <laughs> with you on that. Well, wait, so let me ask you: What do you think you need to work on the most? Now, I know I know everybody's all. I mean, you can always get better in every aspect of the game. But like right now, what are you? Yeah. What, is there? And I know you're getting acclimated, but long term, what do you think you need to work on the most, perhaps, before you're ready for the big leagues? I would say probably just defense in general, just getting more reps out in the outfield and getting more acclimated to playing outfield. I mean, cause it's still, it's only been two years really playing at the college level and now switching to having reactions off wood bats and everything. So it's a different um, gameplay. So having to adjust to that and then just um, continuing to be consistent, like at the plate and just stay true to myself and just um, having an approach when I go hit. Is it either easier playing center field just with, with the way the ball comes off the bat than the corners, or is there not a not a big difference? Um, when it comes to that, there it's definitely easier playing center field. You don't have to deal with all the like the top spin and side spin. It's more just backspin when you're on center field. So that makes it a little easier. But 
I've just I've just played more left field, so I'm a little more acclimated to playing there. Gotcha. Is there is there any chance we see you in the Arizona Fall League this offseason? Have the Rangers mentioned that at all? I I have not heard anything about it, so I don't think so. Oh no. Well, it's like it's always like I mean, I would suspect probably not, because it's usually rare for guys straight out the drain, especially because you're gonna get a month or so of at bats anyway. But uh we would definitely like to see you in action in the Arizona Fall League. But yeah, it's uh maybe we'll have to wait a year or so for that. But Wyatt, I I really appreciate your time today. It was fun watching you at Florida. It's been fun watching the start of your uh your Rangers career and uh I have a feeling we'll probably see you in Arlington before uh too long. So so thanks for joining us today. We really appreciate it. Yes, sir, Jim. Thank you for having me on. Good stuff, Jim. Thank you very much. Wyatt Langford, I would love to see him in the Arizona Fall League myself. So maybe, Jim, by you saying that, it uh, manifests itself into existence. We're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we'll listen to my conversation with Nolan Shanwell, who at the time was still a minor leaguer. We'll be right back. Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based champion championship team. Welcome back to the MLB Pipeline podcast. Jonathan Mayo here, and I am pleased to welcome in for the first time Angels first round pick, Nolan Chagnon. I've now learned how to pronounce his last name correctly after saying it wrong for so long. So Nolan, thank you for setting me straight and and uh, thank you for joining us. Yeah, no, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. I wanted to kind of start with, you know, going back maybe even to your high school days because you were like m- most of the the college hitters uh, from this class, a product of that COVID year. Uh, and I'm curious, like y- you were a, you know, a solid prospect coming out of high school. It's hindsight now, but like, was there any chance of you heading to pro ball instead of college? Had it been a normal year and you'd been scouted normally? I don't think I was ready yet. I wasn't mature enough to take that step in my life. I definitely needed to go to the college route. Uh, I didn't know how to cook. I didn't know how to clean, really. I, I, I've never lived on my own. So definitely going to college helped me a lot to mature. Even just mature in life, even in baseball, just mature, just learning the game helped me so much at FAU. So I, I definitely believe that if I did get the opportunity to go, I still think I would have went to college just to 
mature baseball wise and just ordinary life wise. I think people forget about the ordinary life part, you know, you know, they look and they see, you know, you hit the ground running at, at FAU, you know, you hit right out of the gate. So like, well, couldn't you have done that in, you know, in low A as a, as a teenager, but you forget about the being away from home and and learning how to do the simple things, you know? So I, that's important that you bring that up, I think. Yeah. Well, like I said, I mean, you did sort of hit the ground running, literally hit the ground running. You seem like you've hit pretty much everywhere. Is that, uh, you know, and I'm not trying to diminish the work that you clearly put in, have you always just been able to hit? Um, I would say yes and no. I, I do put a lot of effort and practice into my craft. And I, I work constantly every day, just kind of adjustments. Uh, I struggled the first first game here and went back, watched video, watched where I struggled, watched what I was doing differently, and just – related it to when I was doing really well and what my swing looked like when I was doing really well. Uh, It's more, I would say the talent, I I would say, yes, I have good hand-eye coordination. My eyesight is really well, but I I put a lot into my swing and aspects of my swing in that standpoint to perfect my game or try to perfect my game. There's no, there's no no perfect in baseball. No, no, hard, hard, hardly. Uh, yes. although, <laughs> although, although, you know, your junior year, um, I want to kind of ask you about it, you know, cause each year you kind of took another step forward, you know, at school, I kept, you know, we split up the draft, Jim Callis and I, and I have Florida and I just kept checking your numbers thinking, okay, that's the beginning of the year. Okay. Now, you know, it's only a month. Okay. But <laughs> For 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 people listening, like if they don't know, you finished the year four forty seven, six fifteen, eight sixty eight. That's an OPS of almost fifteen hundred, seventy one walks, and fourteen strikeouts, nineteen homers. Oh, we'll throw in fourteen steals. By the way, I don't want to make it seem like all you do is hit, but <laughs> where I don't know if you've been able to look back at that, or were there even times during the year that you're like, all right, this is insane. Yes. Uh a couple times, but it, I feel that I was capable of doing so. I wouldn't say like the numbers last year, my freshman and sophomore year, I wouldn't say nearly as close to that, but I felt that I could have done a little bit better those first years, which was part of that maturing. I, we would be up in games and I kind of just like, all right, like my at bat doesn't matter and give that bat away. And my junior year, I didn't give up. I would say one at bat. I, I go. I went in every every at bat. Like we were down one run. Like we needed we needed a big meet on base. We needed a home run. We needed some way to support a run. And I think that was a big aspect of why I, I did so well my junior year. It came on the heels of a what we call a so-so performance in the Cape. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and it sounds like you're the kind of guy that takes something like that happens and you study it and you learn about it and it makes you a better player. Uh, you know, sometimes guys use the Cape as a springboard cause they hit so well. I mean, was there any concern coming off that summer or, or were you able, can you draw a direct line to the adversity you face there into the success you had as a junior? Yes. I mean, I definitely had some, some setbacks in the, in the Cape, but uh, I, I just look back and 
kind of learned from it. every experience I had there. Uh, I, I got home, went right back to the drawing board, said, hey, this is not going to define me as a player. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show who I really am and work, work as hard as I can to kind of show who I was this upcoming season. When did you start like really getting a sense that you were going to be a first round pick? Cause you know, I would imagine there's a certain oh, chip on your shoulder isn't the right, but you know, at, at a, a, not a huge, huge program, but a good program that's had plenty of professional players, but like, you know, so I guess when, when did you get a sense like, all right, like I'm, I'm going to go pretty good here. And when did you know it was going to be the angels? Uh, so I wouldn't say I, I really knew until after the season. I, I didn't I didn't look at this like the the mock drafts or anything because I didn't want it to distract kind of myself from the game. I, I we had a job to do. I wanted to be able to focus on FAU at the moment. So I would say after the season when I finally finally looked at it, that's when I kind of knew or noticed. And um, what was the second part? Sorry. Just when, when did you realize that the it was going to be the Angels that was going to take you? Yeah, so I, the draft workout, uh, I talked to the Angels for a while. Um, and I talked to Perry. I, I think I reminded Perry a lot of Zach Meadow. And it kind of just gave me – the opportunity because we're, we're, Zach's up there right now. He's he's hitting really well, doing really well, and I I played a lot like Zach. Came from mid major like Zach, and just I play with a chip on my shoulder just like he did. Um, so I think that definitely helped me a lot. And I, I found out on draft night the pick before that they were taking me. So it was pretty pretty crazy. Family friends super excited, and it was awesome. Yeah, I mean a lot a lot of things go into even if they really liked you, you know, what happens above in those top 10 picks. That's probably why you didn't find out until right before. Yeah. Um it seems like uh, you, you you mentioned Zach. I talked to him in spring training and he definitely has a chip on his shoulder for, you know, mm-hmm. not only mid-major but he's not the biggest guy in the world and 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 things like that. So, uh have you gotten to talk to him at all since you signed? Not in person, but he did reach out the day of the draft and just kind of wished me luck and was super excited to get to play with each other. And I was super stoked that he would reach out. And I'm like, I'm thrilled. I I was so happy. It seems, Nolan, like this is a perfect marriage because your, you know, your skills are so advanced, you know, advanced college guy uh, who always, you know, you're always going to have this reputation going into pro ball as a guy who can move fast. And an organization that really likes to move guys fast. Um, mm-hmm. Is that something that you recognize right out of the gate? Maybe even when you were talking to to, to Perry, you, you mentioned the similarities to Zach, that like you would be given the chance at least, and we'll get into the fact that you're doing it right now, but uh, you know, a chance to, to move quickly like Zach did? Yes. I mean, when I was talking to Perry, one of the questions he asked me was, uh, what's when's the latest you see yourself moving up and i said two years would be ideal like latest opportunity and he said what about two months kind of like as a joke start like laugh a little bit but it 
it's real. I mean, Zach got moved up not even a year. So he's, I mean, that's, that's where baseball is changing and the, the angels are definitely making the big part of the change where draft guys are coming up right out the shoot. And it, it's really a good thing for baseball. When I talked to Zach uh, in spring training and I said, well, hopefully I'll see you at the futures game, you know, unless you're in the yeah. big leagues and sort of half joking. And he, he clearly wanted to, you know, be there as soon as possible. And we never got to see uh-huh. him in the futures game. So I guess we, <laughs> I guess maybe we won't see you in the futures game. You're already in double a, uh, which follows the plan. Right. But, you know, have you yeah. been surprised that has been that quick and, and, what are some of the things you're noticing in double a that you're like, all right, I'm going to need to, you know, keep working on this, even though you're having some success already, you know, what are the things you're noticing being at that high of a level compared to, I mean, you were at FAU. It was just a couple months ago. Yeah. Well, at first I started off in uh, Arizona. I was there for three days. Then I, I went to IE Inland empire for two days. And then they, they shot me up to Rocket City, and I would say the difference between each uh, level is kind of just the speed of the game. It's just a, li- a little tick faster. It's just like hitting. Hitting's all timing. You just have to be timed. You have to just don't rush yourself. Let the game come to you kind of thing. Just every, every game I, I play here has been a learning opportunity whether it's defensively, offensively, or base running. And I, I feel that every game that I've been been able to learn from has been a positive for me in kind of just learning from all the guys as well. You haven't gotten out of your your approach in any way. Have you noticed, like, are, there, are the pitchers around the zone more? And so you have to rely on that even more so. I'm, yeah, I would imagine that, I mean, you're, you're still drawing walks and not striking out much uh is that margin smaller are you noticing the difference you know in college it was maybe easier to 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 recognize pitches not to swing at and and that's more of a challenge even though you seem to be up to it so far yeah i would say pitchers here are definitely better at hitting the corners getting uh the outside corner the inside corner they definitely have a better feel for the zone than in college where they might leave at least one pitch and that bat over the heart of the zone. And that's what I've learned since I've been here is that you might not get that one pitch that you could smoke. You're going to have to maybe take that pitch that they're nibbling at and shoot a line drive the other way for a single instead of hoping that you get your home front, your home run pitch every at bat. Now I know that won't happen. Yeah. Right. Right. Um, I know that you're, you know, a hit over power guy who, has certainly hit for plenty of power. So you, mm-hmm. I'm assuming you're not worrying about it too much, but did it feel good to get that first professional homer out of the way? Yes. I feel all the weight was lifted off my shoulders. Uh, a lot of pressure kind of building up that I, I didn't have one yet. And uh, a lot of people expecting me to have a couple already just to get that one out of the way was very, felt very well. Very good. We're spending so much time talking about your hitting, and I feel like we probably could do that for hours. Because uh, as you <laughs> said, I even like the fact that out of the gate you called it your craft, um, yes. which is I think is a shows that you have a different mindset about what you do. But let's 
let's talk about other facets of your game uh, because, you know, you stole bases in college. You're, you're, you're not going to, you know, win 60 yard dashes against the fastest guys in the minors or things mm-hmm. like that. But how much pride do you take in being good at that? Even if that like the raw speed tool isn't something that's going to, you know, wow people. Yeah. I don't think I've been able to show my, my base running uh, uh, since I've been here, really. I have, I think I, I have one base stolen and I feel that I've had opportunities where I could steal, but I don't think I'm there yet. Still working up to it, but it's just something that I like to perfect as well. Kind of just instead of being fast, kind of move like a ninja, be really nonchalant under the radar and just doing that kind of steals you bags as well as that one guy that runs a six, three 40 yard dash. So just kind of learning from that as well. Yeah. And and I would imagine that the, the rules, you know, that are in place that will work to someone like you, like your advantage, just because you understand the limitations that pitchers now have and how Mm -hmm. to exploit that more. Yes, exactly. You're also a guy who has moved around, you know, depending on where you played uh, and, and played a, a, a number of positions. You know, you've played more first base than anything else over the you know entirety of your career. But, you know, you've you've played third base. You've played the outfield. Uh, my understanding is that I think there are some plans for you to to play the outfield moving forward just not yet to you know you've played first base so far is that just like go out don't worry about anything else right now you know worry about hitting while you're moving up and we'll work on the outfield in the offseason and going into next year do you know what the plan is I, I don't know what the plan is um I I told them when I got here that I was comfortable doing whatever they told me to do whether it was practicing defense at a different position if they needed me to play a different position i said i'll play whatever position you want me to play as long as i'm hitting in the lineup as long as long as i get to be in the box i'm fine playing wherever Uh, i don't know what it's going to be like in the future but uh right now i've strictly been at first base yeah i noticed that i thought i read something that said that they may you know give you a chance to to play the outfield you know i think people uh, underestimate your athleticism. You know, talked about your, you know, your base running, but you know, in, in summer leagues especially, you seem to play a, a lot of outfield. Do you feel comfortable out there, or do you feel a little bit like a fish out of water? No, I, I, I definitely feel comfortable. I played there all my life until I got to college, just when I start first started playing first base. So I would say it's kind of, uh, I'm kind of more comfortable. I wouldn't say more comfortable in the outfield, but it's pretty equal. Uh, it's just like once I get back out there, it's like riding a bike. First first couple of innings, uh, I'll struggle a little bit, but I'll... it's normal. Yeah, I mean, it, yeah, I, you paused for a second because you said, I don't know if I'm more comfortable, but you've played so many games at first base over the last couple of years, it would make sense for that to be more comfortable right right now. Yes. And I'm sure they'll give you, you know, plenty of reps, you know, Let's finish up with you know, the the fast track that is the Angels organization. We always joke, you know, we always do a story on quickest to the to the big leagues. And we were joking before the draft that the guy at the top of the list should be whoever the Angels take. 
right? And then, yeah. you know, here you are now in double A. Uh, I'm sure that you've allowed yourself to look ahead a little bit and you, you don't know what the, what that big league roster is going to be, right? We don't know if Shohei Otani is going to mm-hmm. be there. Do you allow yourself to think about, let's say somehow they bring him back and he's there, but even if he's not, you still got Mike Trout, you've got Shohei, you've got a guy like Zach who knows exactly what you've been through, you know, do you have to remind yourself not to get ahead of yourself thinking about that kind of stuff too much? Uh, yeah, I would say so. I mean, I was in middle school looking up to Mike Trout, um, kind of like admire, like he was one of my favorite players and going from being a fan to a teammate, which I, you can still be a fan while you're a teammate, but this time it's a little less fanboy, more kind of team oriented. So I would say just kind of taking a step back from from that and just enjoying and learning from him. Honestly, that's the one one big thing I need to do is learn from all the guys that have been there for a while and see what adjustments they've made from minor league ball to major league baseball and just stuff similar to that maybe not even on the field adjustments just kind of learn from them as a whole yeah and you know he mike he struggled his first time in the big leagues that's the example i always use when you know fans of a team are like this guy isn't performing right at the gate i'm like Mm -hmm. the best player on the planet didn't do that one little bit of advice for you nolan don't tell him that you looked up to him when you were in middle school you don't want to make him feel old yeah, <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll hide that one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you just say I've always admired you and leave it at that. And you know, yeah. if he wants to do the math, he can do the math. But um, <laughs> uh, what do you have any plans for the off season? I mean, it's been a long run for you. You know, through your college season, through the draft, you've been playing through. Um, you know, I don't, I don't know if there's fall ball or winter ball in your in your future. Um, do you know what, uh, what the plan, you know, what you're hope to, to do once the, the regular season's over here? Uh, no, I don't, I, I don't have any, any information of what they, they want to do with me or if they're going to send me anywhere, but wherever I go, I'll be, I'll be doing something to help, help my baseball game out, whether it's lifting extra field work, extra T work, extra anything, I, I'll be doing that. You don't strike me as the kind of guy who likes to take a lot of time off. No, I hate I hate off days. That's the one thing I hate off days. Rather be at the field all, every day of my life than have an off day and kind of struggle to pick what to do. Well, you know, youth is wasted on the young. They always say so. It's a, it's yeah. probably I think it's a, it's a good thing. You'll learn eventually to enjoy, like to let your body rest. And I think one of, that's one of the biggest things to learn uh, is getting just getting through a full season. Uh, yeah. as much baseball as you've played this year, it pales in comparison to the 140, 160 games that you hope to play, uh, in, mm-hmm. in, in the future. So that, that'll probably be the, the biggest thing that you'll be able to glean, even spring training, you know, assuming in you're in big league camp, just seeing how those guys prepare, uh, and, and get ready for that long slog of a season of playing every single yeah. day. Mm-hmm. I mean, have you gotten a little hint of that? I would imagine now, just because you're, you know, even now in the minors, you're playing every day as opposed to, you know, the, the rhythm of the college schedule, which is like the weekends and that, you know, in the Tuesday game. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. Have you noticed any difference in like your, you know, sort of how your body reacts to that? And have you had to do anything different just to prepare or is it too small of a sample for it to have really set in? Uh, a little bit, a uh, little fatigue, but just kind of trying to rest as much as I can, whether it's sleeping an extra hour or getting that extra 30 minutes of recovery, just little adjustments I've had to make, have I've had to make since I've been here. All right, last question for you, Nolan. I, I know that mm-hmm. your dream is to play in the big leagues, but um, did you ever have a dream that you would be a trash panda? So, yes. I well, well, I, I noticed that the trash panda, Rocket City trash pandas were a team when I was in high school, and I was amazed that minor league, like all the minor league names are kind of weird but this is definitely one that stood out to me and i i've always been kind of like shocked that they would name a team a trash panda so yeah i i i knew about them i i wanted i was like i want to play for that team and it's it's amazing that i'm here and able to fulfill that that dream of mine (laughs) i look forward to when you're a big leaguer them having the like throwback nolan shanuel bobblehead as a trash panda i'm gonna make sure i add that to my collection all right nolan you've been a great sport thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me good luck the rest of the way and we'll see you down the road yeah thank you so much i appreciate it all right you're listening to the mlb pipeline podcast and we'll be right back Okay, picture this, it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome back to the MLB Pipeline Podcast. Jonathan Mayo here. Hope you're enjoying our interviews with some of the top hitters in the 2023 draft class. We've got one more for your listening pleasure. And Sam Dykstra had a chance to talk to St. Louis Cardinals first round pick, Chase Davis. Well, as we continue on our theme of talking to prominent 2023 draft picks, we're joined right now by uh, Cardinals first rounder, Chase Davis. Chase, thanks so much for being here. How are you doing? I'm doing good. Thank you so much for having me. All is well. Long season, but uh, doing good. No complaints. Yeah. And, and before we get into the draft process and the start to the career, I, I want to get to one play immediately uh, because it was one of the highlights of the season. One of the defensive highlights of anybody for uh, minor leagues was your catch on August 10th. You come in as a late defensive replacement and you almost make a Superman catch. Coming in a little bit, then you had to drift to your right, make a jump catch, last out of the game. Take us through that one. 
Yeah, first of all, it was one of those where, you know, it was last minute. So obviously your body's not 100% ready to go. I get out there, I do my warm-up throws, and the, the inning starts, and I'm telling myself, I'm like, dude, something's got to come to me this inning. There's no shot I just get put in, and, like, it just the game just finishes. So I was just ready, you know. I was ready. We get two outs. I'm like, okay, this isn't too bad, you know. And the bags get loaded. Uh, and there's two outs. I'm like, okay, something's got to happen. The guy has two strikes on him, and it's a line drive. It's one of those low-line drives, you know, the ones that are kind of hard to read, and uh, take a bad first step. So my first step was in when it was really farther than it was, what I thought it was. So I'd correct that and still make that play. And if I I barely got to the ball, if I was there an, an inch earlier or an inch later, I definitely would have missed it. It was line drive. It was on its way up. So I, I made the play, but it was a crazy last inning. Yeah, and, and I imagine those are adrenaline-running plays. I mean, you make a play like that in the seventh inning. you got to go bat or something later in the game. That's a game-winning catch. What is your adrenaline level after a game like that? How long does it take to come down? Well, I'll tell you this. A, I, the way I landed should have hurt way more than it actually did, and I didn't, feel, <laughs> I didn't feel anything when I landed. So that much adrenaline, I guess you you would say, was appropriate for the situation. Yeah, fair enough, fair enough. And we're, we're talking to you here on a Monday, which for the minor leagues is an off day. Uh, everybody has the day off today on Monday. Uh, but there's a lot of transitions to pro balls. You know, first off, starting with the idea that you are playing every day. Uh, what has been the biggest transition you've had to make uh, to just being a full-time ball player now? I would say getting my body ready uh, and used to six games a week as opposed to three or maybe four in college. Uh, because in college, we'd play on Tuesdays and then we'd go Friday, Saturday, Sunday. But I think here it's just much more different uh, as far as playing Tuesday through Sunday and, you know, and getting that Monday off. So we're traveling and doing stuff like that. So I would say that's the biggest uh, adversity. The, the talent's pretty much the same as far as college to pro ball. It really is. Um, the only difference is just how often we're we're doing things. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, what adjustments have you had to make to, uh, you know, account for that? Some mechanical stuff, uh, but also more mental. I would say more mental than anything. I mean, all these guys are on the field. They have a good idea of what they're doing, you know, pitching-wise or hitting-wise. It's just mentally, man, it, it's it's a grind. When people say minors is a grind, I would say 70% mental, 30% physical. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it, has that been the most surprising aspect or is there something that's been even more surprising than that? You know, something you had to experience for yourself, no matter how many people you talk to about what minor league baseball is like. I would say figuring everything out on your own is the biggest thing, you know, having to know to be your own man and, and do the things that you need to be doing. So I would say it's a little mix of that and, and the baseball aspect of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And when you, when you say that, then what is something you've discovered about yourself these last couple of weeks? High management and preparation uh, and understanding that you got to take every day honestly serious uh, because there's no room for, for taking a game off and a day off because at the end of the day, this is your job. You know, this is your job. It's a fun one uh, and it's a blessing to do it, but it's your job, you know, and you got to take it as such. So just preparing mentally is something that I had to learn to do uh, even better than I did in college. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And is there something about a mental switch here? Because you say it's a job. You go from time at University of Arizona thinking like, all right, I need to show off to scouts because they could draft me. Now that process is behind you. Now you're, this is your full time gig. Is there any mental switch that goes on there? It's kind of like a weight off your off your chest in a sense. It's unadded pressure that you don't need to have in the mix anymore. Uh, in college, you would you know, you're, you're playing, but you're also you're, you're trying out for a job in a way. And uh, once you get here, it's almost like you just go play. You know, you just go play and you go play the way you know how to. Uh, and, and you don't have to worry really about opening any eyes. But 
it's not all like that though, because you're still trying to get to the bigs, you know, as soon as possible. So you're still playing every day the same way, but as far as your future being on the line or not, that's, that's kind of a big weight off of your chest. Yeah, no, I'm sure. And when you've been working with the Cardinals here in the, the first couple of days, you said there's a lot that's on you. There's a lot of things you have to do. But one thing I'm always interested in talking to guys fresh off the draft is, do they immediately go working with you on your swing or certain aspects of your game? Or is it just, hey, let's let them play and we'll figure it out going into the offseason? It's more of, we actually had this talk about a week ago on the road uh, in St. Lucie with one of our hitting coaches. And he said that in the fall, around October time, October, November, they're going to uh, sit down with us and kind of give us a plan as far as mechanically and our swings individually. Uh, but they said for now, this is the time for us to be going out every day and uh, working hard and just getting the reps, getting the at-bats in. Uh, and they said they're going to do more of a deep dive later this fall. Yeah, no, that's interesting here. Um, take, kind of taking a step back. I mean, we've talked about the draft or, or walked around it a little bit. How did your expectations of draft day compared to what the actual reality was? I know you were home in, in Elk Grove, right? Yeah, I was home in Elk Grove. I was there with the whole, the whole family, had a huge party on that day, and uh, we were just hanging out. Uh, once the job started, everyone was in there to celebrate that, that big achievement uh, that, you know, I worked my whole life. And I wanted them to be there, you know, I wanted them to be there. And those were all people that each had an impact uh, in this journey. So it was, it was a great long day. Yeah, how many people ended up coming by the house? Almost 70. Ooh. Man, yeah, it was it was tough. The AC was the AC was kicking though, so I felt good in there. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, yeah. I imagine that's that's a special day to you know share with everybody. Um, but how nervous were you going throughout the day? Because were you constantly checking your phone? Were you distracted with that amount of people? What, what was your hour to hour like? You know, I actually handled it better than I thought I was going to. Actually, uh, obviously, phone was always on in case uh, important people were calling and needed and I needed to figure some stuff out, but. For the most part, I was really in the moment with all my friends and family there, just taking it all in. And once it started and we were upstairs, it was just a waiting waiting process. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And at what point did you think, okay, the Cardinals are coming to get me? Was it early, a few picks earlier than that? Was it even you know, as early as the spring if they had had conversations with you? When did you really feel like the, the Cardinals were the team? Well, I knew that uh, they were on me all season, um, along with a lot of other teams as well. So I already, I always knew that they were going to be in the mix. It was just a matter of if they were actually in the mix or not on draft day, because you know how it is. Like on draft day, it's different than every other day leading up to it. Everyone could say one thing, then it's completely different. So um, I, I expected um, them to be in the mix, and uh, the pick came around, and I and I knew about ten minutes before. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what did you know about the Cardinals organization before that pick actually came through? I know they have a lot of postseason depth and history and a great organization as far as fans uh, and just accolades they've achieved over the years. It's just been crazy. It's like a laundry list of all the good things that they have and all the things that the fans speak and how highly they speak of the organization was just eye-opening to me. And it just gave me a lot of optimism, you know, moving forward to uh, achieve what I was going to do with this team. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And, and from a player development standpoint, I mean, as you get to know this organization a little bit more, how do you feel like – what what about your game plugs best into being a, a Cardinals minor leaguer and eventually a St. Louis major leaguer? Well, I would say every every team has different ways they run their uh, organization, um, and baseball is always going to stay the same. But my personality and my, and my game just fits here. Uh, they love it. They've told me that multiple times. So it feels really good to understand that they care just as much as I do, you know, and they really invested, and, and they have nothing but great visions for their prospects. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and before the 
drafts actually came. I know you didn't participate in the combine itself in terms of um, playing and, and showing off there at Chase Field, but you were there for interviews. I think you had interviews with 23 different teams. Um, what yes. stood out about that process, and what do you remember most about the Cardinals interview? Uh, that process was – it was a long one. It was all week, uh, and it was from Tuesday to Friday. And, you know, it was it was crazy because I didn't know what to expect going into these. You know, it was my first time doing this. So uh, the moment I stepped down in my in my first interview, uh, and then especially when I ended it with the DJs, it was all 23, and it was just like, dude, these guys are really chill people. They're really – they're just human, you know, and they're, they're, they're an organization that wants to know what they're getting. Obviously, you know, both parties have to do their job, but – um, the Cardinals one was especially even more fun because they had a couple guys in there and, uh, and some analytical people that just wanted to get a feel for who I was. I, I love the meetings that were just more personalized. So that's what the Cardinals meeting was. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you say there were some analytical people in there. What were they asking from that side? Yeah, there's there were analytical people in every single in almost every meeting, uh, but mm-hmm. they all asked generally generally the same questions as far as um, different changes I've I've done to my mechanics this past season, uh, and just different ways uh, and outlooks I have for the summer and the fall and the next season. So just stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, actually, that dovetails pretty well into what I wanted to ask you next. Your approach seemed to really improve from 2022 to 2023. You went from 66 strikeouts to having more walks than strikeouts in uh, this past spring. What changed? What, what allowed that really to kick into gear and for you to see the ball so well? Um, I opened up. My right foot opened up, and it was a, it was a mix of two mechanical changes. It was that and just getting used to just seeing balls thrown in the dirt, like literally balls, not strikes, balls over and over again because uh, sophomore year I had a discipline issue as far as chasing out of the zone and stuff like that. So I, I looked at my uh, sophomore year before going into junior year and I was like, what can I do to be a complete player? You know, what can I do to make myself uh, the most valuable and, and, and the most impact on the game? And uh, it was just the discipline part that came back to it. You know, just when you put yourself in a good counts to hit and I, and I wasn't chasing anymore, I was getting a better counts, getting more balls to hit over the zone. Uh, and just putting good swings on it, and, and the numbers came. It was never a focus on the numbers. It was just a focus on how to do certain things better, and everything else came. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you talk about just seeing balls more. Um, you know, what, How many of those drills are you still doing? Still am. Still am. We have the curveball machine. I would do the exact same thing I did in Arizona here. We'd have the curveball machine, and we would throw. We would set it up uh, to where it throws strikes sometimes. And then we'd set it up to where it throws balls. So I would I would learn how these pitches look like and just keep doing it over and over again because some of these pitchers have really good stuff, man. So it's important to keep training that eye. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and even before that in 2022, while you were battling some of the discipline, I mean, you had power. I, I, I know your first freshman spring, you didn't play as much as you would have liked, but to get 18 homers as a sophomore, that doesn't happen very often. What unlocked that power in 22? I'd say playing every day and just getting comfortable. Uh, and, you know, if I, if I get a pitch in the zone to hit, I'm going to put my best swing on it. Uh, and if it's not in the zone, I don't swing. So it's it's very very simple formula, and I got a chance to do that very often. My my junior year and everything else took care of. So mm-hmm. yeah, for sure. And uh, you know, speaking of your decision to play three years in Arizona, you are somebody who I feel like could have gone not. You know, pretty high in the in the 2020 draft, which was a weird draft for many different ways. But at what point did you decide, hey, I'm going the college route. I'm honoring my commitment uh, to the Wildcats and I'm not going pro. I just knew at the time, looking at the draft in high school, I was like, you know, going down this college route is going to give me the best chance for success down the road, maturity wise and baseball wise um, and, and, and just all that kind of logistics, because I knew that, you know, 18 years old, one one may know everything. 
uh, or one may think they know everything, but you just really have to experience, uh, I would say, the next level. You know, as cliche as it sounds, you really have to. Uh, some guys are ready for it, though, at high school. And don't get me wrong, there are really good guys at high school. But I knew at the time I wasn't ready, uh, so I needed to go and get another three years under my belt. Yeah, I mean, now that you've seen the Florida State League, what do you think an, a 19-year-old Chase Davis would have done in the, the Florida State League compared to where you are now? Definitely wouldn't uh, be as far as, I, as far as he is now. Uh, <laughs> if, I, if, I, if I would have chose to do that at 18, I would tell you that much. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, and, you know, you talked about you've seen a lot of really good pitchers so far in, in the FSL. Uh, who stood out most? Who do you feel like somebody that you stepped in against that really caught your eye? It's crazy because I can't even name you one. Why? Because every single pitcher was their Friday night guy in college. Like, right. literally, if you think about it, every pitcher, and if they're in the international sign, they were the best pitcher on the team or, or something along those lines, you know? All these guys are just talented, and uh, it's a battle. There's no, <clears throat> there's not a single time where I step into that box I'm just like, yeah, this is going to be an easy at bat. You know, all these guys are good. And this is what this level of baseball is. Um, and just slowly but surely uh, getting getting more and more ready for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and what are your expectations for the rest of the way? I mean, are you continually making adjustments? Is it, again, just kind of going back to your swing and seeing how these last few weeks go? How do you look at the remainder of the season? Because I imagine this is the most baseball you've ever played in one calendar year. Yeah, the, number one, yeah, to answer your last one, it, it is. It is a lot of baseball, and uh, it's it's adjustments every day, man. It's adjustments in the box during a game, you know? So it's 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 things that you're finding every day to make yourself that 1% or that half percent better because we have so many days where those half percent betters work uh, and you get better every day. So uh, that's all it is. That's all it is. Just uh, it's the same game. It's the competition different, and, the, and uh, I would say mental approach is a little different every now and then. But it's pretty much the same. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I kind of want to ask about, we talked about Elk Grove before. Elk Grove now has a burdening baseball history. I mean, the amount of guys who have come out of that town, uh, including Dylan Carlson, who is a fellow Cardinals outfielder. How much have you talked to him about what the organization's like? Yeah, Dylan, I met Dylan uh, back in winter of 22. And he was actually in the same cages that I go to and hit in. And uh, he, he was very, very respectful, very uh, upfront and very hospitable. And I got his number down and I came to St. Louis uh, the, the day I signed or the, the whole weekend I signed. Um, and he was the first person in that whole clubhouse to hide in me and to, to, to show me around a little bit and he's super cool and I got to meet the head coach and all those kind of great people so uh, Dylan's awesome and, and being from El Grove it shows that you know we have we have guys as well in Northern California and uh, a lot of talent yeah yeah what is it about that town that just seems to be churning guys out left and right recently man I don't it's, it's crazy because I think SoCal gets a huge uh, I would say label of pub and and rep but I think you know, when you start going up north a little more, you'll be surprised to find out how many people can play the game just as well as the guys on the center part. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. All right, Chase, we'll we'll end on this one. Uh, and I just want your basic reaction uh, to this concept because it's something that a lot of people are talking about now. University okay. of Arizona and the Big 12. <laughs> how, how do you react to that being a reality now? It's unreal because all I've known – my whole life was just when I look at the Pac-12, I can you can memorize every team in there, what teams play where, if, if they even have a certain sport. I, I had this down to the T and just finding out about Arizona and, and this whole move and other schools as well. It's not just UA, which is even crazier. Uh, is It's not bad, but it's not good. It's a new change. It's a new change. It's a new step forward. And we're going to see how it goes. Everyone's in the same boat. <laughs> Everyone's got to <laughs> see how it goes, right? So 
we'll see how it plays out. I'm excited for it. Uh, excited for some of the guys at school that I still know, and uh, they get to play at different stadiums in different states across the country. So that's going to be a good experience for me. Yeah, I mean, how do you feel like conference realignment affects college baseball, given that some of these are rivalries that were going back decades? Yeah, I I think it's going to be a little different as far as, you know, that old Pac-12 dynamic rivalry teams and the fans and, and them getting into it. I think some may even create more rivals uh, in, this new, in this new conference. Who knows? But I think it's definitely going to be a dominance of, of the, the Big 12, uh, SEC, and ACC, to be completely honest. That's, that's, how I, that's how I see it going. Right, right, for sure. All right. Well, Jay Davis, we'll, we'll see how things go in, in all that conference realignment. And we'll see how things go for you the rest of the, the way in, in Palm Beach. Thanks so much for taking time. And yeah, best of luck the rest of the season. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. All right. That is a wrap for this week's MLB Pipeline podcast. Many thanks to Chase Davis for speaking with Sam Dykstra, Nolan Shanuel for speaking with me. We recorded that one just days before and he didn't have any idea he was about to get called up to the big leagues and then of course Wyatt Langford for speaking with Jim Callis don't forget to subscribe on Apple Podcasts Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts so you don't miss an episode if you're enjoying the show or have any suggestions leave us a rating and a review thanks for listening see you next week